Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you help other people. My name is Kate Watson, and I'm here with my friend Jen, and I think we have a good topic today, but I'm going to let Jen introduce herself. Say hello. (laughs) Thank you, Kate. Yeah, my name is uh, Jennifer Alice Bloomquist, and uh, I am a Canadian uh, living in Sweden and have been for the past Oh, 21 years, I suppose. So um, Kate and I, we, we've met each other through the um, Mint Motivational Networking of Trainers. Um, I'm also a cognitive behavioral coach, an author, and a course creator. So I've been busy. <laughs> I was just going to say that exact word. I was about to say, you have been a very busy person. You know, we've been in contact you know, more uh, frequently the last few months than we have been over the years that I've known you. And over the last few months, it's been obvious to me that you're just like churning out so much work and you have all this energy around what you're doing. And I asked you if you would come join the podcast because I suspect that you have some expertise to share with the audience that, that I do not have. Um, you know, your, your course, your book, the things that you really focus on, you have a lot to offer the world about working with teens or parenting teens or communicating with teens. Um, and, and my only experience there is having been one myself at one (laughs) point, (laughs) but, um, I, I have a feeling that a lot of the parents listening right now are like turning up the volume and leaning in because they're thinking, (laughs) Okay, this is one I can use. So, you know, I guess my first question is like, what what makes you so excited or interested in the work that you do with teenagers? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's kind of funny, actually, because when I when I studied psychology at university, I I was thinking like, oh, I'm really really um, I, I love working with criminal behavior and addictions and you know mental health and all sorts of exciting things. And there was one thing that I knew, and it was that I was never going to work with teens. <laughs> and, uh, and then it seems kind of like it's all come full circle. And here I am thinking that teens are the, one of, well, probably one of the most important groups to work with. They're not only our future, but also an exciting group to work with because they, they can be formed and they also have so much expertise to bring to conversations with adults. So when I see like work with teens or even uh, how I, uh, you know, am with my own teens, it's, it's like we're a team together. Um, and that's, that's what I, what inspires me and what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I, I, I like the way that you kind of, took this journey from, you know, interest in criminal behavior and really like responding to the problems that already exist in the world and thought to yourself, you know, if I started working with young people, maybe we could actually prevent some of these problems from existing in the world. And so um, I'm I'm sure, I have no doubt in my mind that that has made a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. And in my work experience, I've worked in a, a Swedish prison for many years, about 14, 15 years. And I, I've seen so many people make changes and left their lives of criminal behavior and, and left domestic violence relationships and everything. And I and 
it, it's wonderful to see that kind of change. And at the same time, I was thinking, you know, it's it's not too late for them to change, but it's very late. We need we need to be there more preventative. We need to be there earlier. We need to help kids and teens uh, learn how to deal with conflicts or uh, strong emotions and yeah. bullying, all those sorts of things. And so that's kind of where this drive or, or passion that I've had for for the book and the course is I want to get out there and start to prevent before it goes too far and things escalate too much. Yeah. So um, thinking about your course and your book, because I'll bet there are people already listening, thinking I, I could use some of that stuff. You know, <laughs> what, what would you say about maybe we, maybe we start with the book. What would mm -hmm. you say about the book that you think may be helpful to just regular people? They're not, you know, psychologists, they're not professionals. They are parents or friends or teachers who have a lot of interaction with teenagers. Um, you know, what are some of the key things in the book that you think might really grab their attention? Yeah, well, one of the things that I tried to be very mindful of when I was writing the book was to not have it at that level like of academia and that you're, you know, have to be a professional and go to university to be able to help someone. Because just like you talk about on your podcast every time that we all are only trying to help. Mm -hmm. So I, I wrote the book for or the aunt or, or the grandma or the um, neighbor that notices a teen next door, uh, you know, crying in their backyard. I, I wrote it for everybody and anybody who is willing to just stand there and say, hey, I see you. Um, so that so that and so I I tried to look at all of the the difficult conversations, like when you see a teen crying or, or you see a bunch of teens standing there in the, in the playground, like yelling and screaming, like how, you know, what would you need as an adult to just be able to go up there and say, Hey, I see you guys. How's it going? Instead of having like a, Ooh, scary teens and groups of people that are <laughs> wrecking the <laughs> playground. <laughs> you young people get out of here. Right. Right. Yeah. That's always the, um, you know, that's always the the image or the stereotype of the older person who's mm -hmm. angry at the younger people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're you're painting a picture of a world where older people may actually embrace younger people and enjoy being around them a little bit. Mm -hmm. and why is that so revolutionary? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. And I'm probably thinking how I probably was one of those adults before, maybe. That's probably why I never wanted to work with teens to begin with. But as I as I enjoy these years of my teens and they're growing and how they're thinking and they're, you know, creative and their critical thinking processes, it's just it's it's actually fascinating how much I learn from them. Um, and I want to spread that kind of with my book as well, is like how how we think about teens and how we see and view teens is also what they will become. Um, so, so I, I, the book is, is very like a how-to guide. There's lots of exercises, um, practical mm -hmm. reflection exercises as well to think about, you know, my own thoughts of teens. How was it when I was a teen? And, um, what am I good at um, in my listening? Um, Etc. So it's it's both like theoretical, but it's also very practical that you can you know read it, 
come to an exercise. Oh, I'm going to go try that with the person, the teen in my circle. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to run to the other room and see how this yeah. works. Yeah. Um, and and, or, and I, <laughs> or you could just pause the, the teen. Just wait, I'm going to go get my book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit their pause button, go get the book, see what the book says about how to handle this moment. Um, I feel like we really need to go back to that cool thing you said though, about how you see a teenager is, is what they will become. Um, because, you know, you're describing your openness and willingness to learn from your own kids who are now teenagers and, um, and what a difference that makes. And, and I suspect that's one of the ways that people sometimes go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. the podcast, we come together, we talk about the ways that people are trying to be helpful, but it sometimes doesn't go so well. And I'm, I'm going to guess that one of the ways that trying to help teenagers goes wrong is when we see them as just problems mm-hmm. and we see them as uh, people who need us to swoop in and save them and fix them and tell them what to do. That if you can see a young person who's growing up and evolving as still having something to offer back to us, that mm-hmm. you know, you said you said I learn a lot from from my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, the the willingness to see them as having strengths at all may mm-hmm. be one of those game changing moments. Yeah, definitely. And I I tried to you know, when I was writing, I, I tried really hard to keep in my mind, uh, non-judgment and acceptance, because I think that's really important when when you deal with all people or, or counsel people or just with people, um, but especially with teens. You know, I was thinking about small children, like we're used to kind of seeing a two-year-old throw themselves down in the grocery store, kicking and screaming and stuff. And that's like, well, they're two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not as accepting of a 12 year old who's upset because someone steals their iPad yeah. uh, and they're screaming and upset. Like, I mean, we, we also have very, very high expectations for teens um, and we forget that their, their brain isn't evolved. It's not, it's not finished developing uh, until like 24 years of age. Uh, so we we see them as problems and somebody who needs to be fixed, and then we don't really help them because we expect them to do it or just to know. So I think that's something that why it really felt important to both have the course and the book that it that it could reach out to more people. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think it was so smart of you to to design it to be for everyday people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I'm saying this now to the folks who are listening, because because you know this already. <laughs> but um, but you know, the way that we know each other is, you know, we we do these workshops for professionals very often who mm-hmm. are looking to improve their communication or their their ways of helping people. And you know, one of the things I think is fun, maybe even just toward the end of a workshop, is to say you know, you could lose all the jargon I just taught you and take the same ideas and apply them to all the people in your life. And that that might be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, it, it's nice to have some resources that are free of all that technical and professional jargon. And they are just like, no, for real, this is how you talk to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like what your podcast does every day and you know, it doesn't take a university education to listen to someone or to help them. Um, And and I really like took that with me when I wrote my own book, because I don't, I don't need to know everything to just listen to a teen. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I think that's really, really important. Some of the things that everyday people struggle with when they're trying to help someone, like in those moments, people often think, well, I wish I had a psychology degree, or I wish I was a therapist, or I wish I was a social worker, because then I would know what to do. Mm-hmm. But professionally, <laughs> I train people with psychology degrees and therapists and social workers, and they run into all the same roadblocks that the rest of us without any degree run into as well. And, and I wonder if that's helpful for the parents out there to hear that, you know, un- unless you specialize in parenting or working with teens or something really specialty like that, for the most part, people like no matter what your degree is, are going to struggle with some of these things. It's hard mm-hmm. stuff. You yeah. know, working with other humans is complicated and difficult. And mm-hmm. you could have gone for many years of education and psychology and still sometimes want to bang your head against the wall working <laughs> with the people who you love and, and live with in your life all the time. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I wish more people knew that, that it, it, yeah. a lot of the things that we struggle with in our relationships and our families really can't be taught at a university. Mm-hmm. It's some of this, you have to just have a willingness to learn along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I was thinking about that too, because we've, you know, sometimes you think, well, can I really use motivational interviewing with the people I care and I love in my family and stuff? And I think that's something to, like, I wrote the book thinking that there's three steps to it, right? Like first I want to kind of find out, explore what this teen thinks about whatever is we want to talk about, um, say drugs or, or smoking or something. But mm-hmm. then there's the second step of like um, offering information or offering my perspective. And I think as a parent or someone with a teen that's very close to them, that step is really important on how you formulate it. So, uh, and then of course the last step is exploring again, how does the teen feel about what I've uh, offered for information? Yeah. Um, because I think also when you're a parent, it, it's not just, you can't just follow the teen and let them do whatever. You have to also be able to set boundaries because everyone, you know, they need routines and boundaries as well. So I tried to balance that too, that communication is about, you know, learning about the teen's perspective and accepting that and respecting it and honoring their autonomy in that, but also helping them understand that I also have needs and I need to tell this to you. And how are we going to work it out together? So, you know, when people listen to this, they won't be able to see what your hands just did, but <laughs> you're, you're kind of moving them back and forth, like across mm. the screen. And, um, and I just think it's so indicative of like helping teenagers realize this is a back and forth relationship mm-hmm. that we're practicing really. And, and this is, those are the years where you start to really learn about forming relationships with people mm-hmm. And, you know, as you kind of move your hands back and forth, back and forth in this sort of reciprocal motion, Mm -hmm. it reminds me that like role modeling that for teenagers Mm -hmm. that like, I'm going to explore what your needs are. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to offer, you know, what my boundaries and my expectations and what my insights are. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go back to exploring how you feel about that. But it feels very like back and forth back and forth you go and then I go and Mm -hmm. then you go and then I go and um 
And, and, you know, I wonder if even showing your hands moving like that in front of a teenager helps them see what we're doing here is mm-hmm. we're, we're sort of taking turns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. I didn't, I didn't realize I was doing that with my hands, but yeah, for sure. Um, definitely. And I think, um, like, it's all about relationships, right? Like how I can still feel really angry and disappointed at my teen or someone I'm working with at the same time as they need me and I need them. Like we're a team together. And it brings me actually to think about the self-determination theory and the three psychological needs that we have to be autonomous individuals, to feel competent, and like what's it called social relatedness mm-hmm. um and teens are just like us they have those needs as well it's just we as adults need to help them like define them for themselves what does it mean for me to be autonomous and, or, or or decide things for myself what does it mean that a teen needs me and i need them mm-hmm. uh, i think it's really really important and to feel like they can i mean Unfortunately, I think a lot of times, and I'll take responsibility for this as well as an adult, I, I f- might try and solve a problem or, or go in too fast and say, no, don't worry about that. Your teacher didn't mean to say that or whatever. And what I'm telling the teen is, you know what? Stop feeling what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, and that's, that can be detrimental for our communication and our relationship and even their growth and development. I don't, I'm not around a lot of teenagers, <laughs> but, but, you know, even when I'm around little kids, I, I, I think a lot about role modeling. Uh, I don't know what you would call it, like distress tolerance, right? Mm. Like just tolerating uncomfortable stuff mm-hmm. and saying, oh, so your teacher said something and it really upset you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I'm trying to show is we don't need to, you know, fix that, solve that, run away from that, freak out about it, bottle it up. We can mm-hmm. just kind of be like, oh, yeah, that was that was terrible. What I heard what you heard today at school. Um, and yeah. I think the more that we can show young people, you know, or, or all people, yeah. <laughs> or that we can show all people how to just sort of be with it for a little bit, even if it's mm-hmm. a minute or so, you know, that's better than saying, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And try to change what's already there. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't help anyone to, uh, well, I mean, okay, ch- change is important. And I, you know, if you're having some issues, and you need to change, yes, but you know, it's all about acceptance too. Like right now I've, I've got these feelings. I need to kind of like be with them and then d- figure out what I want to do with them. Do I want to continue yeah. being with them or do I want to try and, you know, do something so that I stop feeling this way? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because um, <laughs> I had a little experience with my, my daughter the other day where she came in and was all, a whole bunch of things came out. It was from one end of the spectrum to the other. And <laughs> I was all like overwhelmed. And I said, wow, those are some pretty big thoughts. Uh, And that was enough, you know, like, I mean, sure. I might've kind of sat there thinking, I don't know which thread to grab here, (laughs) but uh, that was some big thoughts. So just like affirming and validating and and stuff. That's. um, that's Yeah. Or, or, you know, I'm, I'm probably just using a, a synonym for some of those things that you've already listed, but 
I think for our very general audience, sometimes affirming and validating feels mm. like, oh, that feels like something you learn in your psychology program. How about right. just noticing? Like, you yeah. just noticed, you know, yeah. I'm noticing those are big thoughts. That's mm-hmm. what I am observing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, thanking them for sharing these thoughts with you. That's, that's another thing also I talk about in the book is it's not only about us preparing for conversations with teens. It's also about us taking care of ourselves uh, and being available and mindful when we're actually invited into a conversation with a teen. Um, and I think that's really important as well. It's not just now I'm an adult and I'm going to read this book and I'm going to talk to this teen about this. It's also about I am going to be standing here like a lighthouse on, on you know, so I can guide the teen when they're ready to have me. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to how this is a, a relationship mm-hmm. that, you know, part of this, part of the success of any conversation you might have with a teenager is, is that you yourself as the adult need to be in a good place to have this conversation. Um, And it's not all about, you know, you're, you know, you're just this adult who's just ready to go and perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to serve others. You know, Mm -hmm. part of your end of the deal, part of your end of the deal is taking a look at yourself and saying, am I ready to do this? Am I, am I taking good care of myself enough to be able to serve this person? Well, um, Mm -hmm. that's really helpful for me to hear. Thanks for that. Yeah. And, and, you know, also too, like as a parent, we talked about before, you know, when you, when you have those other strong feelings like love for this teen in your life, your son or your daughter, I mean, it's also okay to realize that maybe you can't help them in the way that they want to be helped. You know what I mean? And that's also why I wrote this book was because maybe I will do my best to be there for my teens if something happens and if, I don't know, they're feeling suicidal or, or whatever may come about it. I'm hoping that some other adult has read my book and can be there for them as mm-hmm. I can be there for their teen. So like, I, I don't know, I sort of feel like I'm going back to like the time where uh, it took, a, what, what's that saying? It takes a village to raise a teen or something. Yeah. Yeah, it takes, uh, do you know well, what I mean? <laughs> I do, and I think now we just say it takes a village, and and folks know the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it takes a village, and and I have to say, I think that is my favorite thing about your story, your book, your course. Um, when you first mentioned it to me a long time ago, um, <laughs> you reached out because you were you were asking me to check some English for you. And I was like, it's perfect. Your English is perfect. Um, but I, I was looking at some of the material and I thought, no one's doing this, Jen. No, no one that I know is, is focusing on the neighbor, the, the, the aunt, the mom's friend, you know, the, the adults in, the t- in a teenager's life who can be influential and and you're you're set out now to sort of equip them mm-hmm. with the skills necessary to be that lighthouse for mm-hmm. teenagers. And um, you know, there may be a thousand, there are probably a million parenting books. Mm-hmm. And there are probably a million books to help teachers who work with teens or therapists who work with teens. Mm-hmm. But I don't know of anyone who says, no, I'm gonna help the village work Mm -hmm. with teens. Um, And so I think that makes your work 
so important and and your voice so unique on this subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. That's um, it was really exciting when I talked with the uh, the lady actually who edited um, the English book and she doesn't have children either. And she has a couple like teens around her and she says, you know, it helped me think differently about how I communicate with teens. And I was like, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one that I was aiming for. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. It feels good. It feels mm-hmm. good. Um, knowing that we may only have, you know, a few minutes left, I want to make sure you got the chance to convey like, you know, what might be like the top of your mind or, or kind of bursting from your heart? Like, is there something else from the book that you feel like, oh gosh, if, if people only read this part, like that would be the most important part or, or, or I'll even throw out a slightly different prompt and you can kind of take this wherever you'd like to go. But, you know, it might also be, you know, maybe you're thinking about like the number one way people sort of go wrong working with teens or, or communicating with teens Anything there that you'd like to add as sort of our grand finale? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking there's a wonderful word for this in Swedish and I I haven't been able to translate it. But what I'm thinking of is, you know, um, when you really, really, really want to help, like if you really have to go to the bathroom and you're like, you know, like that and then you go and it's like, great. That's that's what I'm feeling about with helping. Yeah. Um, There's a sense of urgency. Yeah. Like you really, really, really need to help. And so then you do it and it's like a relief afterwards. (sighs) Um, And I am. Yeah, exactly. And I would invite people to not so urgently er, help, uh, if you understand (laughs) what I mean. Like we don't need to go in and solve problems super quickly. We can actually wait and and think and listen and teach teens to think and formulate things themselves. I think you're saying the key message is slow down. Yeah. Slow down and watch for your writing reflex. You know, I do. Yeah. And, and um, you know, the writing reflex, I mean, anybody would know the word reflex, like that instinct to, to, Mm -hmm. to want to make things right, to want to fix things. Um, you know, gosh, I hope she's listening, but I was doing a training a couple weeks ago and, um, I was teaching the folks in the training about the writing reflex, this instinct Mm -hmm. urgency to want to fix and solve problems and, and how that really gets in the way for us. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I'm going to say her name because she deserves credit and I do hope she's listening and she'll email me and say, oh my gosh, I heard my name <laughs> on the podcast. But her name's Kim Howell, was in my training. And Kim said, you know, for me, the writing reflex is like when I need to sit down, but on the inside. And I was mm-hmm. like, that is perfect. Like yep. there's something inside of you that is like frantic and activated. And mm-hmm. it's like telling yourself to just sit down. But like, not physically, it's like emotionally sit down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she deserves all the credit for sit down on the inside. I'm going to have it printed on t-shirts, on tote bags, <laughs> hats, bumper stickers, sit down on the inside just means to like slow down and relax and go, you know, go easy with people because when you're frantically or urgently trying to help, it ends up causing a bigger problem. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, I can't thank you enough for doing this. And and I want to make sure that the people listening have lots of ways to reach out to you because I'm going to guess 
that there are people listening who are like, oh, I've got a teenager in my life. And <laughs> they're, they're thinking, maybe I need to read this book. Maybe I need to take this course. So we want to make sure we have lots of ways for people to reach you. So first, I'm going to ask you, are you willing to maybe share your email address in case people have questions or comments? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you can email me at jennifer at novavia.se. Um, and I'll like, it's what I also have a website and you'll probably put it on your, on your site as well as a link, um, contact me through my website or, um, email me any, anytime. Great. So what I'll do to make sure this is, um, simple for everyone on the only trying to help site, you know, where we list all the podcast episodes, there's a little tab that says, um, oh gosh, what does it say? Something like more, (laughs) Very creative, Kate. Yeah, like more resources or more information. I don't remember what it says. Folks will find it. Here, I love how I said, let's keep it simple, but I don't even know what the tab is. (laughs) Um, But I do think it says more information. And if you click on that, that's where I usually add everybody's contact information and websites and things like that. So I'll make sure that your email address goes there, your Mm -hmm. website goes there. And can you just say the name of your book for folks who might want to find it on Amazon? Yeah, sure. The name of the book is Lighthouse Conversations, Being a Beacon for Teens. Um, Yeah, and it's out on Amazon. And the course is actually called Lighthouse Conversations with Teens. So um, they piggyback on each other. Folks are probably putting together now how we kept adding that lighthouse imagery. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we know know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. (laughs) Um, so yes, Lighthouse Conversations, Being a Beacon for Teens yes. is the book. And the course is Lighthouse Conversations with Teens. So yes, folks, yes. I encourage everyone to check it out. I know some people are more book people and some people are more, let me take an online course kind of person and mm-hmm. others are more podcast people. So we've got a little something for everybody. Um, find what will work for you because this information can be helpful. Even if you do not have teenagers yourself, you know, remember Jen's message here is that it takes a village. And so it might be someone who lives down the street from you, who you'll be able mm-hmm. to help or your friend's teenager who you'll be able to help. Um, and so I'm just so grateful that this resource is available. Um, and Jen, thank you again for doing this. We may, I may tap you to do this again with me sometime. So I hope I you had a good time. I did have a good time. It was fun. (laughs) Very good. Well, thank you so much.